You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how coming out of the NFL Combine, we have more than just the NFL draft to discuss because over the weekend, a deluge of reports about the Packers' plans for the offseason. So we're going to get to all of that. Before we do, though, I want to let you know a very cool thing is coming. Green Bay native and a player that the Packers are apparently interested in or showed interest in at the Combine, Florida International's James Morgan is going to be on Locked on Packers later this week to talk about the Combine, to talk about the process of going through you know this, this whole pre-draft rigmarole that all these players have to go through. Uh, you know He got to play at an All-Star game. He's going to have his pro day coming up here. So a lot to dig into with him. And this is a kid who went to Ashwaubenon High. You know, just down the street, basically, from Lambeau Field. So a pretty cool story. And so he is going to be on the show. Keep an eye out for that. It is also Mock Draft Monday. So we will talk a little Mock Draft at the end. We are going to talk about the NFL Draft coming up here in the second half of the show. Get into some of the players the Packers talked to and what it might mean for where this team is looking, particularly early in the draft. And all of that will be seen through the context of what they do in free agency. Now, we've talked on this show many times about how just because, especially with Brian Gutekinds, the Packers go a direction in free agency does not preclude them from doubling down in the draft. We've seen it over and over. So let's just talk about the reports that are out there. It started on Friday. ESPN's Rob Domofsky reported Austin Hooper would be a free agent target from the Green Bay Packers, the tight end who was in Atlanta with Matt LaFleur when Hooper was a rookie. Then it was the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reporting that the Packers were going to move on from Blake Martinez in all likelihood because Martinez was looking for upwards of $10 million per year, and Green Bay was looking more in that $7 to $8 type million range. That same report said that Joe Schobert would be a potential replacement the Packers would seek out, although his price tag was in that $10 million range as well, which implies Green Bay thinks Joe Schobert is a better player than Blake Martinez. I would agree. And then on Sunday, Bill Huber comes out with a piece for Sports Illustrated that says Corey Littleton the prize of this linebacker class in free agency will be the Packers, quote, number one priority at linebacker. That is 
a pretty big to-do list. Now, the Blake Martinez stuff is not surprising. Blake Martinez was a player that was going to cost a lot of money and has shown he's limited and was limited last year with this roster. And if that is the case, which we know it is because we saw it, it doesn't make sense to bring him back at that number. Joe Schobert is a much better cover player. He would make sense as an improvement, as a, an upgrade over Blake Martinez, even if it's going to cost you $10 million. Now, Corey Littleton, he's looking 13 plus, and Spot Track has him, you know, closer to 14, 15 plus. I mean, a lot top of market linebacker money. Bobby Wagner last offseason got 17 million per year. So that is what a top flight linebacker makes. Now, Corey Littleton is not Luke Keekley. By the way, Luke Keekley not in the league anymore. So when someone like that retires, the hierarchy reshifts. And you get to say, you know, hey, look, I'm the third best off-ball linebacker in football if you're Corey Littleton. Or, or if you're his representation, you might say, look, over the last few years, who's been more productive than I have? Who has impacted the game in more ways? I can run. I can cover. I can play in the run game. I can do everything you need me to do. I can anchor your defense. You don't need a rookie calling your signals. You just can have someone come in and do the thing. Do what you're paying that player to do. And on the offensive side with Austin Hooper, you're looking at a player who is going to come in, be your number one tight end, and serve as that de facto number two receiver for you. These are big money players. Austin Hooper is going to get probably basement $10 million. And it's going to go up from there, probably more like 11, maybe even 12 or $13 million. He's going to reset the tight end market at least until George Kittle resigns, Travis Kelsey. Some of these guys are going to get extensions, and they're going to be huge. This is big money stuff, suggesting Green Bay is not going to sit on its hands and just say, okay, bring back Brian Bulaga, bring back the guys, re-sign Kenny Clark, and go to the draft as is. Based on these reports, they're going to be aggressive. Now let me add this caveat to all of this. Last year, Green Bay went into free agency and we did not hear about Zadarius Smith. We did not hear about Billy Turner. There was nary a whisper about a lot of this stuff. We knew they were going to be in on some of these guys. We knew they wanted to be aggressive. We didn't know they were going to give a top-of-market contract to Zadarius and Preston Smith. That was not in the cards. And so now all of a sudden we know everything they're trying to do. All of a sudden, three different reporters have three different reports about Green Bay's plans when this is a team who is notoriously tight-lipped about their draft board. Never leaks anything about who they're going to draft, who they're interested in, and who last year orchestrated a coup in free agency with no one really being any the wiser. I mean, I remember walking into jury duty on the, the day free agency was opening and I got hit with a couple alerts and without warning. I mean, this was just like, oh, boom, Zadarius Smith, boom, Preston Smith. And and the world is is on its ear. Now, that being said, I do think Green Bay wants to do something. I, I do think they want to be in on these guys. They're going to call on them. And they always call on guys. This is the thing. I was talking to uh, an agent the other day who, who said, yeah, I expect Green Bay to call on my guy. 
doesn't mean a deal is going to get done. And that is just the reality of this business. Green Bay, under Brian Gutekunst, has said outright, and, and Goody said, I want to be in on every discussion. I want to be a part of every player who becomes available that could help the Packers win. I want to be in on that conversation. So that means they're probably calling a lot of people and saying, hey, you know, we want to talk. And Indianapolis is the time to do that. Agents meet with teams and they say, where are you standing? What are you thinking? What's the situation? You know, insofar as you can under the rules of the NFL, tampering being what it is, this is, you know, Indianapolis is as much about trying to talk to other people too, about trying to figure out, okay, who's who's on the market, who's on the table, what's the money going to look like, who else could be interested in trying to suss a lot of that stuff out. I do think Green Bay would like to bring in Austin Hooper. I think Green Bay would like to upgrade over Blake Martinez. And there are a couple guys out there. I don't want you to forget Nick Kwiatkowski, who Green Bay is going to call on. See what the price is. He's someone that makes a little bit more sense given what they want to pay a linebacker. But if they want to pay a good linebacker, if they want to pay top dollar for that linebacker, if they want to allocate resources to that linebacker, they can do that. In the draft, there are multiple guys who could be first-round picks, and they have these options. Corey Littleton, Joe Schobert, and Nick Kwiatkowski, if they want to upgrade over Blake Martinez. All three of those guys would be upgrades. And so they're looking at at that possibility. And we talked on Friday about this Austin Hooper situation. It makes a lot of sense for the Packers to say, rather than spend money on a free agent receiver who's going to cost upwards of $15 million, according to Tony Pauline. $15 million Robbie Anderson wants. Green Bay would rather pay, and I think smartly, a good starting tight end three, four million dollars fewer, get number one tight end production, and then go in this deep draft. I mean, Robbie Anderson picked the wrong offseason to be demanding that much money for someone who's never been a number one receiver when the Packers could do, you know, how many guys in this draft are just fast and could develop into route runners? Yes, Robbie has become more than just a deep speed guy, but that's mostly what he is. He is he is not one dimensional, but he's like one and a half dimensional. You can find those guys in this draft on day two, on day three even, and expect them that they that they can be productive for you. And when you have Austin Hooper, put him with Devontae Adams, add, a, add another guy in the draft, and all of a sudden you, you are cooking. I mean, I think that is the that is the the perspective that Green Bay has on all of this. And if if the money is right, they'll make the move. And if it's not, they won't. And that's the position that they find themselves in. And, and it's an advantageous position for them. With this CBA possibly getting done before the league year opens, it would also allow them to backload some of these contracts to not eat the the money right away, kick the can down the road a little bit, and this is always fungible. The cap could explode. I mean, it could explode with some of these new deals. Uh, it's, it's already expected to go up significantly next year. It's going to go up every year. And with the new digital media rights that are expected to come up, you know, John Alrand at Sports Business Daily was talking about, you know, selling a, a digital only rights package to someone like YouTube or or Amazon. And, and that's more money to, to pay these players, which means the cap is going up. So the Packers can figure this out if they want to if they want to splurge a little bit, they can 
The question is, is it going to come at the cost of Brian Bulaga? And that's something that they're going to have to decide. We don't know the answer to that right now. And, you know, part of this could be a negotiating tactic with Brian Bulaga's agent. As if to say, look, we got all these other guys we can sign. We can spend the money, guys. We can, we got money, okay? You you want to you try and squeeze us. We can go spend $13 million if that's what you want. We'll go spend $13 million on Corey Littleton. If you think we can afford $13 million for Brian Bulaga, then we can afford it for, for Corey Littleton, and we'd rather have Corey. So if you think you can get $13 million elsewhere, we look, God bless you. Go try. I put together a list of the players that the Packers reportedly met with in Indianapolis, and this is, this is just per reports. This is not a, a comprehensive list by any means. Uh, they are allowed a, a limited number of formal interviews. You know, you get 45 formal interviews at the Combine, dedicated specific windows where you're going to meet with a player and it's just you guys, and you're going to sit down and have a formal conversation. And then, and then you basically, over the course of the Combine, can meet with every player if you want to, informally. You don't you don't have to want to. I mean, that's just, some some teams don't want to talk to everybody. But you, you try and talk to as many people as you can just to get a feel for who could be out there. You never know what you could be looking at at the end of the sixth round, seventh round. Hey, a conversation you had with a player could be the difference between you drafting them and not. But what I wanted to do was try and look at, okay, where are these players? And, and can we discern anything from possible or intended perspective from the Packers? We've talked on this show about the idea of allocating time equity into investigating positions at spots in the draft and how last year the Packers tipped their hand a little bit about the kinds of players that they were looking at at, the, at what positions in the draft they were looking at. This, this gets confusing because a position is both a place in the football field and in the draft. Maybe if I show, don't tell here. I tweeted this out. If you, if you haven't seen the list, it, it, it certainly becomes easy in visual form. But the Packers, in terms of players who are projected as possible or likely first-round picks, however you want to phrase it, they looked at three receivers, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, and LaVisca Chenault, an offensive tackle, Josh Jones, a running back, J.K. Dobbins, an interior defensive lineman, Ross Blacklock, who we talked about on this show with Chris Trapasso a few weeks ago, Three linebackers, Zach Bond, Kenneth Murray, and Patrick Queen, and a cornerback, A.J. Terrell. Seems pretty obvious where they think this team needs to get better. Three first-round receivers, three first-round off-ball linebackers, and that's more than half of the guys that they talk to. Now, this is reported, but that is indicative of a team that, that sees clear needs. Clear needs. And so maybe Justin Jefferson doesn't get there. Maybe Jalen Rager doesn't get there. Maybe LaVisca Chenault doesn't get there. We'll see. Maybe Zach Bond, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen. Who knows? Let's not be the people who say no way. Not not, not falling. No chance he's available there. Because that's that's just nonsense. And it's interesting if you look. I did the same thing with day two players. So... The day two players that they met with, guys who are likely to be in that second, third round range. Now, this is pre-combine, and this is so this is all you know subject to a little bit of change. 
especially after some of these guys went out and just you know blew up the combine. Someone like Jeremy Chin, who is the 238th player or something like that on ESPN's board, is now looking like a third-round pick because he's one of the most athletic safeties ever to come through Indianapolis. So, you know, that I think that changes some things. Antoine Winfield is someone who the Packers met with, and now all of a sudden he is, you know, a potential second-round pick, top 50 kind of player. So the day two players, second, third-round picks that they met with, according to reports, Cesar Ruiz, Raquan Davis, so it's three interior defensive linemen with a center. Cesar Ruiz is the center. Raquan Davis, Justin Matabuke, and Jordan Elliott are the interior defensive linemen. Terrell Lewis and Curtis Weaver are edge players. Curtis Weaver could be a first-round pick. He's he's in the top 32 of the Pro Football Focus Board. Terrell Lewis, Ben Fennel said this. He's a first-rounder on tape but has injuries. And Lewis is a guy who is really intriguing to the Packers. They really like him. And he is someone who could also play a little bit off the ball, could, could have that sort of inside linebacker, downhill, blitzing kind of mentality, and, and you play him off the ball sometimes. Could be. He is athletic. Two safeties, Ashton Davis and Antoine Winfield, and then three more linebackers, Malik Harrison, Jordan Brooks, and Troy Dye. To me, you put all this information together. They, they're looking at linebackers at every spot of the draft, and maybe they want two. So they'll sign one and they'll draft one. Well, if they sign Corey Littleton then maybe you don't need to go out of your way to get Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen in the first round. Maybe your goal would be to get someone else, a receiver, maybe an offensive tackle, long-term solution to Brian Bulaga. But if you get Joe Schobert, then maybe in the second round, you feel like you got to get Troy Dye, you got to get Malik Harrison. You get Nick Kwiatkowski, $7 million, $8 million. Now maybe... Kenneth Murray is looking a little bit sexier. Patrick Queen is a little bit more appealing to you. So th- these things can go hand in hand that way. Guys who can play together potentially. You get someone like Corey Littleton, maybe Jordan Brooks in the third round, fourth round could be someone as a, as more of a downhill run defender next to Littleton who can cover and, and run a little bit. Brooks can run, he just can't really cover. This helps you see and set up from the Packers' perspective, what this is all looking like. And trust me, they're looking at this. They're thinking about this this way. And this is something that teams will often do. It's something that the NFL started putting out, and it's a really cool idea, but it's something that teams were already doing. They were looking at potential options in the offseason. And so, for example, the Packers will go, go out now, go back to Green Bay. They will take a look at their draft board. They've had discussions in Indianapolis. They have some idea about what the free agent market is going to be, some guys that they like, trying to figure out all of that. And they will look at their options. And whether explicitly or implicitly, they will take some sort of stock of those options. Now, what the NFL media does is a really cool thing. They will order. They'll say, okay, the top 10 running backs available this offseason. And, you know, six will be draft picks. Four will be free agents. And you, you say, okay, these are, the, these are the best guys available in the order that you would want them. NFL teams do a similar exercise where if you're a team that needs a running back, you're going to say, okay, well, I could give Derrick Henry the bag 
Or I could take Jonathan Taylor at the end of the first round, the top of the second round. Or I could take DeAndre Swift. Or I could take J.K. Dobbins. Who would I rather have and for how much money? All right, I need a receiver. And I pick at the end of the first round. Do I want to give Emmanuel Sanders a bunch of money? Do I want to give Robbie Anderson a bunch of money? Or do I want to hope that Justin Jefferson is there? Do I want to do I want to look at someone like LaVisca Chenault and believe that he can be there? And if he's not there, maybe there's someone in the second round that I'm into. And you figure out, okay, where are those inflection points? Where are those value touchstones where you can say, okay, if I don't get one of these guys, then it's just time to go you know, bargain hunting because that's that's where the better value is. And so teams are looking at it. Green Bay's looking at it. And they're trying to figure out where is that breaking point where it's like, okay, if I don't get a player of X caliber, then I'm going to wait and try and get a different kind of player because it's the best way to make the team better given the current roster construction, salary cap constraints, and all of that. All right, it is Mock Draft Monday. Trevor Sikama came out with his three-round mock, and it has Denzel Mims in the first round, Matthew Pert from UConn, the offensive tackle in the second round, and Thad Moss in the third round. Thad Moss is currently hurt. He also came into Indy short. I don't think he is going to be a Packers-type player. Mims could be. And I don't I don't love it at 30, but you could talk me into it, given the athleticism. You know, I watched the tape going, are we sure he's got elite upside? Are we sure he can be that really, really good game-changing number two, can make spectacular catches, and got much better as a route runner? We saw a, a more diverse uh, release package at the Senior Bowl. He's clearly worked on it, clearly refined his skills, and all that's important. He just, I know he tested as as a terrific athlete. I don't know that we always see it on tape. Doesn't always translate, and maybe that's something where you say, okay, you can coach this guy up. He is He's going to block his ass off. We know that. It's something he pointed out in Indy that he does, and he cares about it. Matt LaFleur cares about stuff like that. I, I remember the, after the 100-yard the Alan Lazard game in New York, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur praised Alan Lazard's blocking, and it's like, okay, this is, this is what this guy cares about. Mims is going to block. And he has the athletic ability to be a dynamic player. Uh, he does have to get a little more polished. But we saw, I mean, crazy three-cone, outstanding vertical leap and, and explosives, ran the fast 40. I mean, you get you get him in the lab with Devontae Adams, and you know, he could really, he could really become a player if he can if he can get his skill level up, get his polish up a little bit. Is he is he someone that Aaron Rodgers can trust right away? Maybe, maybe not. But this is again the value of someone like Austin Hooper. Because Hooper comes in, okay, Rodgers can trust that guy on third down in the red zone. On, you know, second and six, you really need to keep the chains moving and and you find this guy underneath, he turns a two-yard gain into a seven-yard gain. That is that is the value of someone like Mims because they've got other guys to do most of the lifting. You need some secondary pieces. You can swing for the fences with a, with a not-so-finished product which is what Mims is, despite the fact that he's very experienced. I mean, he's a senior. And and three years of big-time production at Baylor, but all Baylor does is produce numbers. I mean, crazy numbers there and has been forever. Even, even in a post-Briles world, um, those guys produce numbers there. So I put together 
a mock, and I like it. Some players who impressed at the the combine, some players who didn't so much. Let's say Xavier McKinney falls from Alabama. You know that nickel hybrid linebacker corner hybrid safety player. You run four six. I know he cramped up, but there are going to be questions about him. Brandon Ayuk, is he going to be the forgotten man? Didn't run a crazy time. You know, had the crazy jump, but you know we didn't see the agilities. Hopefully, he goes out at his pro day, Arizona State, and kills those. But he could be he could be one of those guys that falls, and I'd be fine with him at thirty. But he could fall and and be there in the second round, and then maybe you find that offensive tackle in the third round. So. Tweet me your mock drafts. Send me your thoughts. Say who who did you fall in love with at the combine? Who is the guy that you, that you now want Green Bay to take? No matter what, that's that's the thing this time of year. It's such you know Denzel Mims. No matter what, Justin Jefferson. No matter what, if I were going to have one of those, it'd be Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. No matter what, Kenneth Murray. A close second. I mean that guy, unbelievable. I, I was watching the combine with my wife, and I said, "You got to look at this guy." And she was like, oh, my God, that guy is a he's a super he's a Marvel character. He, he's just absolutely chiseled from stone, ran four, five, two before coming up with a little bit of a hamstring tweak. Agents did not like what was happening with these late start times. Didn't think guys bodies were right. A lot of standing around, a lot of, you know, uh, non-activity in between drills. And that was the the suggested cause of some of the soft tissue injuries that we saw out there and it's an unfortunate part maybe they're angling to go to california we'll see all right we're gonna be back tomorrow and remember we've got that that interview on deck coming on wednesday with fiu quarterback james morgan the green bay native ashwabanon high school's very finest to talk about his process and and potential packers interest in him Daniel Jeremiah said he was his favorite day three flyer quarterback. So that's uh, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341 3775 to stay locked on Packers.